0: Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 916 of the Juicebox Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. On today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast, I'm gonna be speaking with Michelle. Now, Michelle is the mother of a child with type 1 diabetes, but she's also an HR professional. Today, we're gonna talk about FMLA, Leave of Absence, the Americans with Disabilities Act for Adults, Insurance, Employee Resources, and so much more. Do not miss it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hey, would you like to save 35% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com? Well, if you're looking for great sheets or clothing, you might. And you can do that by using the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. CozyEarth.com, JUICEBOX at checkout, saves 35%. If you sign up for therapy at BetterHelp.com forward slash JUICEBOX, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. And when you use my link, AthleticGreens.com forward slash JUICEBOX, You'll get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order. AthleticGreens.com forward slash juicebox. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Honestly, if you have diabetes, you really want to look at a Dexcom. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. The Juicebox Podcast is sponsored and supported by a number of great companies. All of them are listed in the show notes of the audio app you're listening in right now and at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click on those links or type them into a browser, you are supporting the production of the podcast and keeping it free for everyone. And today's sponsor, of course, is Dexcom, who you can reach at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox.
1: My name is Michelle Matha. I am an HR learning and development professional, and I am also the parent of a child with type 1 diabetes.
0: An HR, say that again, HR learning?
1: HR and learning and development professional.
0: And learning and development. Yes. All right. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> so if we look at it from the HR management side, it's the part that deals with compensation, recruitment, employee relations, all the policy and administration type things that people deal with on the daily at work. And when we look at HR development, it's the training and development of employees, strategic um, planning, organizational development, change management, all the things that help people get better at what they do or help the organization move forward, especially in times of change. Do you,
0: what is learning? Is that not the same thing? Is learning when you pull them into a room and you scold them and you're like, like in Severance? Did you ever, did you watch Severance on Apple Plus?
1: Uh, I've not yet. Okay,
0: all right. Well, then you're not going to get this reference. But do you torture people until they do what they're supposed to do? Like, this is what I think learning means. (laughs)
1: Um, I try not to. I try to make it fun. I try to make it less mundane in what I do. So in what I do now is I do a lot of e-learning Mm-hmm. development. So actually the Omnipod courses um, that all of us are having to take right now for the Omnipod 5, I built a lot of those type of things.
0: Okay. Oh, I see. I, yeah. do you, and do you direct courses or do people do that on their own time by themselves normally?
1: Um, if it's an e-learning, people typically take it on their own, but sometimes I've also developed courses where um, we call it like a hybrid or flip learning, where they've got to do some of it online, but then they come into a classroom or virtual space and apply what they learned or use it in case scenarios, things like that.
0: What, what do you think the the um the percentage breakdown is on on materials like that that are given to employees that are meant to actually like help them with their job versus are meant to safeguard the company from legal action later. Like, like I've seen my wife take some of these where it's just, it's common sense about like how to treat people at work, for example. And then I always think I'm like, Oh, the company gives this not because they want you not to treat people poorly. Although I hope that I assume they hope that you don't, but in case that you do, they can go, Hey, this isn't our fault. We told her in the training. Is that part of it too?
1: That is part of it. There's this thing called vicarious liability. Um, And so, basically, it's on the company to train the employee to say, I've trained you on this. Mm -hmm. So, the liability is now off of us, sort of, Mm -hmm. and now on the employee to be able to do the right thing. But if they train everybody and forget two random people over here, then they're still liable for the actions of those two random people because they never trained them. And then it even goes down the road of… Is it a training issue or is it a performance issue? Do they know what to do, but are they just not doing it?
0: Oh, okay. Lazy, you're saying. Shiftless. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so, and and so this is interesting. Michelle, do you mind me asking you questions about your job like this?
1: Uh, in generalities, yes. Good. I'll stay general.
0: <laughs> I'll stay general then. Um, people. I So I'm a, a hardworking person. I married a hardworking person. And I get up in the morning. I do my job. Like, and I do it, like, I don't have like a baseball game on another monitor. Or I'm not, you know, talking to somebody on the phone while I'm working, that kind of stuff. And it is my intention to get my work done. I watch my wife work the same way, but I have a feeling that some people are not as driven. And is that more difficult to manage now that people are so remote or is there a way to manage it? I'm interested in, in what happened through covid yeah, I mean, because you can walk past a cube and see somebody asleep on their hand, right? But sure. how, how do you see it at, at home?
1: I'm going to go back to it depends on the person. So pre-COVID, everybody was in the workplace for the most part, um, except for companies that were already ahead of the curve and had people remote. But for those that were working in brick-and-mortar places, um, if you were having a bad day, right, it was pretty much on display for everybody to know. Sure. And when COVID happened and that whole transition to remote work started happening, some people became more productive because they didn't have to walk down the hall and say hello to 20 people (laughs) that they were going to pass by with small talk because they could focus on what they needed to focus on at work. But then you have others who thrive on that interaction and need it and need it to bounce ideas off of each other. And so it's actually affected their productivity negatively. So I don't want to say in a blanket statement, you know, it's good or bad. It just depends on the type of person and what drives them internally.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Is there a um, percentage of new hires you expect to lose?
1: So let me preface this by saying I'm not currently in an HR department, but I do support HR training. My past life... (laughs) Mm -hmm. has been in HR roles. And this is actually the first role where I'm not in an HR department. So this is a little different. right? Um, As far as people we tend to lose at the start. So HR departments, if they're doing the right thing, they're checking with new employees at the 30-day, 60-day, 90-day, six-month mark, even the year mark. And they're trying to figure out, is this person happy? Are they getting the resources they need in order to do a great job? And, you know, just overall, is their sense of worth also being fulfilled when they're at this job? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, well, can we move them to a role that might be better for them?
0: Because you like the person on the onset, you think you have a good quality person, and then you put them into a setting and it's not quite right for them. You don't want to lose the person. So you have to find the thing that they're better at that maybe you still have you know, somewhere else it needs to be filled. Is that kind of the idea? Exactly, yeah. and it may
1: not even be the person. It might be that that person and their manager are just not a good fit for each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I've seen that happen at times.
0: Yeah. How does it how mm, how is it that the qualities? This is generalization. The qualities that make a good employee are very infrequently the qualities that get you into management. Does that make Can you say sense? Say that one more time. <laughs> how come? How come? How come we've all worked for a manager where we're like, how did this person get this job? And why is it not Bill over here, who is obviously the right person for this? Like, like how does that happen? Like, how much um, networking and politics exists when people are ladder climbing? Do you think it's a lot?
1: I think people who know how to politic well, right, tend to get those promotions. Extroverts. <laughs> You tend to see a large percentage of extroverts get those promotions Mm. um, and people who take risk at times and are willing to say yes, even though it might be detrimental to the rest of the team to try to get that work done. And so I I know in my experience, I definitely tend to see a certain type of personality get promoted versus others. Um, So I would almost agree with you there, but it's not always the case.
0: I always wonder why the business doesn't – well, actually, I, always, I used to wonder why the business doesn't just say, look, I know it, it looks like person A, but it's clearly person B. And we're just going to – even though they're not going to push themselves or put themselves in a position, why don't we help them move up? But then what I noticed was that as people move up, the skills that help you move up are not always the skills that help you do the job. And then those people tend to want to surround themselves with other people who aren't, say, as good at the job as they might be because nobody wants to be outshined. It's sort of how the mediocrity rises. And I don't know. This is a, a huge generalization. I'm sure people listening are like, my manager's amazing, and they know everything <laughs> about our business inside and out. But I've just, I don't know. I've seen it a lot, and I've seen, and, I, and I'm always weirded out by the idea that that um frequently I've seen people put more effort into keeping their job than it would take to do their job in a way that would guarantee that they would stay. Does that make sense?
1: No, that totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. And there's a phenomenon right now called silently or uh, quiet quitting that actually discusses just that. It's actually a thing right now where people are kind of doing that office-based bare minimum thing Mm -hmm. and just doing enough to to keep the jobs. Um, There are situations, though, and I've I've seen this in practice as well where. Somebody does really well in their job and they get pegged for the promotion and they get promoted and they're terrible as a manager, but they performed well as an individual contributor because
0: that's what they enjoy
1: doing. They don't have the contact that they had maybe with their salespeople or with the students that they were working with. It just kind of depends on, you know, what was their thing and if their thing's suddenly taken away from them because they're now in this role that wasn't their forte there's They're going to have performance issues, yeah. I,
0: my wife is a, a a great manager of people. And um everyone that she's ever worked for has, you know sent a Christmas card to my house years after they they haven't worked for her anymore. She gets notes all the time from people who are like, you made my whole career. It just happened the other day. a guy contacted her through LinkedIn and said, "You know, I don't know if you remember me, but twenty years ago you onboarded me at this job at a low level and you helped me and uh, you know, you helped develop me. And now I just want to share with you that I have a family and I bought a house. And I think it's all because of how you helped me at the beginning of my career. And over and over and over again, Michelle, enough that I'm comfortable saying it out loud and being recorded saying it, right? Like it happens. But there are times that her, her superiors will say one thing and then do another. And this isn't at the company she's with now, but I've seen frequently in the past they get you in a room and they say, look, build good relationships with your employees. They say all the right things. And then when you do those things, they pull you into a room and it's more like, just crack the whip. Like just who cares if they're happy? Like it. Like what gets said publicly is not how it gets managed sometimes. And I don't think my wife has that self promoting in her. So she's, she's learning that still in her late forties, um, but she just likes to do a good job and help people to do a good job too. Uh, but anyway, I've just, any, th- this is fascinating to me. We should probably dial this in <laughs> di- the diabetes at some point. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Your child has type one. How many kids do you have? I have one. Perfect. Stop there. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> College is expensive, Michelle. Um, a- and how old?
1: And he is five years old and he was diagnosed just before his fourth
0: birthday. Oh, this is just a little over a year then.
1: We're, we're a little over a year in.
0: Okay. Did I by any chance just joke about not having more children and you're pregnant? I apologize if I did.
1: So surprisingly, uh, I'm not. Okay. Only- and um, if we go that direction, it's going to be because we would be adopting a second child. Oh. So my for so ben, ben is his name. Ben's adopted.
0: Oh, ben is adopted. Yes. Oh, my dad's name was Ben.
1: Oh, uh, it's a good name.
0: Actually, you want to hear something bizarre? I definitely, sure. I've definitely never said this before. My last name is Benner. My dad's name is not Ben. That was his nickname. And then the first question is, why would someone give you a nickname that's the same as your last name? Don't understand that. But here's why my father's um, nickname was Ben. Oh, this is hilarious. I've never said this out loud before. My dad's real name was Laverne. And he was a big, strong, kind of hulking guy whose name was Laverne. (laughs) And I don't think he enjoyed it, so he took a nickname. Um, but my grandmother would call him that all the time, which would freak me out, because no one called him that. And then and my little tiny grandmother would walk by and be like, Laverne, come here. I'd be like, who's she talking to? So, um, But Ben's a much better name. Ben's a much better name. Okay, so you... Uh, you It
1: sounds like a Marvel character, Ben Banner.
0: It does, right? All that alliteration and, you know... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway... He was a mostly decent person. <laughs> um, so you adopted because this was, I'm sorry, if this is too personal, you weren't able to have children or you just always wanted to adopt or how did that work out?
1: It was always in the cards. So uh, my husband and I were both adopted by kin when we were young oh. and we were raised uh, by our grandparents in a very loving environment. And just because of our past, it was always part of our future. So
0: that's very nice. Do you know? This is
1: how he led to Ben.
0: Do you know I'm adopted? I didn't know. Oh, I, 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 there was so much silence. I'm like, I thought you were like, oh, is he being sarcastic about my adoption? Cause no, I no, I've tried oh, no. to remember. No, 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 I am. Cause a, I
1: listened to so many of your podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, did I miss something?
0: You did. I, I was adopted as an infant. So by Laverne, that's awesome. by Laverne and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's, It's a a wonderful thing to do. Um, Okay, so you – and by the way, what part of the country are you from? Because you said you were adopted by kin. I'm in the South. I was going to say. That is not a word that is used uh, frequently where I live. But you just just ripped out kin like it was nothing. I was like, she's got to be (laughs) from the South. Okay, all right. So adopted Ben – four years later, diabetes. So obviously you didn't know that it was coming or have any idea about it. Were you able to get into his records or anything to learn more about that?
1: No, we have very limited knowledge on his background.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. So uh, that's a new thing. So you don't know if there's other autoimmune in his past. Does he have anything else that's autoimmune?
1: Not that we're aware of that's autoimmune, but he does have a sensory processing disorder. And in him, that manifests looking like ADHD. Uh-huh. And then he also has a uh, unilateral hearing loss. So he wears a hearing aid in one ear.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, you knew all this when he was when he was born?
1: We knew about the hearing loss. Okay. Uh,
0: we,
1: uh, we got the diagnosis, of course, for diabetes years later. Yeah. And for the sensory processing, we actually got that diagnosis a week before he was diagnosed with diabetes. And that's what actually led me to contacting the pediatrician mm-hmm. about the possible type 1 diagnosis.
0: Wow, Michelle, way to use up your copay! Uh You're over, what is that called? <laughs> you're out of pocket <laughs> all in one week. Um, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I guess we were due. <laughs> uh, I'm interested in what it's like to deal with and help him learn and grow with the hearing.
1: We jumped on that quickly. Um, we're we're blessed to be in an environment where we had access to a nonprofit that gave us a loaner hearing aid. So he's had access um, to hearing aid when he became eligible around seven or eight months. I think it was eight months mm-hmm. he was old. Um, We're in a hearing aid. And so we've worked really hard to make sure he had speech therapy to make up for the lack of sound that he didn't have um, in the first couple of months of his life. And if you met him now and if he didn't have his hearing aid on, you would never imagine that he had hearing loss because he will talk your ear off.
0: Does he read lips? No. No. Does he know any sign language?
1: He knows. Well, he used to know a little more when he was younger. Okay. Um, he could tell you more and all done now.
0: <laughs> because he doesn't. So he, because of the hearing aids, it's sort of like a skill he doesn't need?
1: Yes and no. So there's times where he'll take the hearing, o- hearing aid off because he's got audio fatigue. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: it, the sound for the hearing aid, there's this little device that we're able to use to, tr- to mimic what he hears. And actually, the sound that you heard earlier... Hearing through a tin can kind of mimics that, except Uh. add some robotic elements to that. And that's kind of what it is. And so after, you know, after so many hours, he decides he wants to take it off and just kind of give his mind
0: a rest. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, Okay. And is that both ears? I'm sorry. Just one. One ear. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the sensory stuff, is that like autism spectrum or how does that work?
1: We're... Going to be diving into that in the next few months to find out.
0: Okay. How did it present?
1: Like ADHD. He's impulsive and he's hyper. And um, he, uh, he's really into Sonic the Hedgehog right now. And that is a great description of his personality.
0: <laughs> Just balls up and, and runs forward spinning in a circle. <laughs> Got to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's how you saw that. Diabetes yes. presents how? And how do you figure it out?
1: Um
0: so his
1: diabetes I I, I don't know, it's diabetes. I mean you know, it, it what, I will or? say what
0: was that? How did how did it like what's the first thing that made you say, Hey, something's wrong?
1: Um, okay, so so being in the South and being that we were in the potty training aid area. We didn't realize the first two signs were actually signs. The first one was the bedwetting, but mm. we were potty training. So, you know, what three-year-old doesn't wet the bed? Right. <laughs> and then we're in the South, and who doesn't drink an obsessive amount of water because it's hot yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the time, um, usually nine to ten months out of the year? So we didn't really think much about those two. Okay. What really kind of started setting us off is when – Closer towards his diagnosis, we started getting reports at daycare that he was getting fatigued. So we didn't know why. And when we had taken him to the doctor the week before for the sensory processing diagnosis, I noticed that he had lost weight. And so I didn't really understand why because he was eating everything under the sun. But then I started pressing him more about that and asking questions. And he mentioned that his stomach hurt. So that day, we called the pediatrician. said we need to make an appointment. They said, "Come on the next day," and um, and sure enough, they it was going to be type one. And they didn't tell us right then and there that it was type one. What they told us was, we at the hospital. We've already talked to the ER doctor; they're waiting for you, but you've got to go right now.
0: <laughs> oh, great! Okay, thanks. Because his stomach hurt. What did you think when his stomach hurt?
1: Um. That is what wanted me to call immediately to mm-hmm. the pediatrician. So my husband actually p- figured it out um, quicker than I did. Uh, we both come from families that have type two diabetes. Okay. So he kind of clued into that and thought, okay, the weight loss and, you know, all these, all these five things together yeah, made cool. sense on diabetes. And that's, that's why we made the call.
0: Okay. Well, that's excellent. Good job. And that's about a year ago. So he leaves the hospital with what kind of gear? Needles. Just like regular syringes.
1: Just regular syringes and the lancets. And a meter. And a meter.
0: Oh, it's like you got Mm -hmm. diagnosed when uh, when Arden was diagnosed. Um, (laughs) And then how do you, like, why do you know about the podcast? Like, what leads you to try to find other things out?
1: So the moment that he got diagnosed, of course, we're staying in the hospital, and my husband and I start deep diving into everything, and he finds a podcast, I think maybe within a day or two, and so we start reading and reading and reading, and I had just finished up a graduate degree a couple of months before and I start diving into this just like I would have studied um, for any of my courses. And so we're learning everything and anything we can to figure out what does type one mean? Because we already know what type two means, but this is so different than that. And so uh, one of the resources that came up was your podcast.
0: Wow. Wow, that's cool. Um, I was just thinking, I mean, how old are you, Michelle? You look like you're Thirty-four for some reason. To make this Photo. <laughs> I'll say thank you. Okay. Right. Is that not is that not the case?
1: <laughs> that is not the case, but I will take it.
0: <laughs> I, I see you're not going to answer. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm an older parent. Okay. All right. But so your life prior to this, would you describe it as fairly smooth flowing?
1: Um, as, as smooth as it can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just I'm it's, I'm struck by the fact that you adopted a baby, which was lovely. And, you know, you, you you took a baby that you knew had, you know, a, a medical issue to begin with, which is even more lovely. And then so many things have happened in the past year or so that, I don't know, it, it seems to me like it could feel unfair to you. And you don't come off that way. So I think that's really great. And I was wondering how you... How you find yourself thinking about it when one thing after another goes not the way you expect
1: you know we know his situation and had he remained um in that original situation and us not adopting him mm-hmm. he wouldn't have had all the resources that we, he would have now to be able to thrive right. i i don't think he would have had access to sound as early as we gave it to him um I, I don't think that the sensory processing would have been seen the way that we look at it in the sense that, okay, we this is a condition, and we need to find the tools and the resources and therapists to be able to help him with it. And then even the diabetes, how do we manage it in a way that allows him to be able to have a, a good childhood? Because when his numbers are out of range, that intensifies his impulsivity and his hyperactiveness.
0: I see. Okay. Like, yeah.
1: And so, I i mean, I won't lie. There's challenging days. There are days that we are flat out exhausted yeah. um, because he's like a solar powered energizer bunny that just never turns off <laughs> until, until he goes to sleep. Um, but at the same time, we also know that, um, you know, he's in our life. We 100% committed to making sure that he had a great life.
0: How, how long, this is my last question about you and, and your family side, and then I want to get into your profession and how the things you understand will help people living with okay. diabetes. So, um, so you're adopted, so you know what that feels like. Your husband's adopted, he knows what that feels like. So my question for you is, and this is basically, I think, a question I wish I would have asked my mom years ago. Does he feel like your son yet, or does it take time? Was it immediate? Is it a growing thing? Are you having trouble with it?
1: I think for my husband and I, he's always felt like our son. We brought him home from the hospital, so we we've known him since the, you know since he was an infant right. um and for him we ha- we've had the discussion already that he's adopted and we talked about who's adopted and that even our dog's adopted <laughs> and he still sees us as mom and dad he he doesn't see that as anything different just yet. Yeah. He may later on, I'm pretty sure he will, but at the moment, we're mom and dad.
0: Yeah, I, I never um, thought about that way. I never considered that my parents who raised me aren't my parents. Didn't It never struck me that way, but I've known a number of adopted people and it, they always seem to just fall on one side of it. Either, hey, these are my parents and I don't care that they didn't give birth to me or uh, the other side of it is, I think people who are sometimes burdened by it as they're growing up. And, um, and anyway, I just wanted to know how you felt, but that's, that's really wonderful.
1: No, sure. And I've, and I've seen both sides of that, um, especially in the do- adoption forums, um, just depending on which one you're in, it tends to lean more towards a certain way.
0: Yeah. I just always imagined when I was messing up as a kid that somebody must've been looking at me and thinking, it's not even my kid. Why am I going through all this? <laughs> like, <why>? <laughs> <laughs> Let's give it back. Uh, <laughs> Just speaking about me specifically. Uh, so, okay, so you reached out for a great reason. You, you, And I'm going to list some of the things you put in your note uh, that we could talk about family medical leave, which uh, people might know as FMLA, mm-hmm. uh, a leave of absence, reasonable accommodations under the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, for adults with type 1, and parents and caregivers of children. So this is – I think this is amazing. So you have all this knowledge. Now you have a kid with diabetes – Let's share it with everybody else. How do you think we should attack these topics? You can make better decisions in the moment with the most accurate CGM on the market, the Dexcom G7. Dexcom.com forward slash box. My daughter just moved to the G7 from the G6 and she already loves the new smaller size and ease of use. You can learn more and get started today at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Due to recent Medicare changes, millions more people are now covered for the Dexcom CGM. The G7 is the smallest, most accurate CGM system covered by Medicare, and it is easy to use and to get started with. No other CGM system is more affordable than the Dexcom G7 for Medicare patients. The G7 is a simple-to-use system. It delivers real-time glucose numbers to your smartphone or your smartwatch with no finger sticks required. Effortlessly see your glucose levels and where they're headed so you can make smarter decisions about food and activity in the moment. This amazing tool is going to help you to take better control of your diabetes. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Whether you're looking for a brand new system, changing from another company, or looking to upgrade that G6. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. The new G7 comes with a refreshed app that is just a delight to use. My daughter is 19 years old. She's been using a DEXCOM for well over a decade. It is at the core of how we make decisions about insulin, food, activity, and all of the variables that impact diabetes. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom and all the sponsors. When you click the links, you're supporting the podcast. I'm sure you know better than I do.
1: So I kind of made a checklist because I had to get my frame of reference back into making sure that I am (laughs) noting the law appropriately or at least the the requirements of it. Mm -hmm. And so let's start with FMLA for a second. Okay. Okay. So most people know FMLA, uh, people who are working with a covered employer are eligible for FMLA. So it's not everybody. Um, If you work for a public agency, if you work for government or uh, like a local well, public school, You're covered. If you work for a private sector employee that has at least 50 or more employees um, for at least 20 work weeks during the year, they're considered a covered employer. But that employer also has to have a location where 50 or more employers are within 75 miles of each other. Mm -hmm. And that employee has to have worked for that company for 1,250 hours or roughly 25 hours a week for a year. Okay. So you're just not instantly eligible, right? You have to wait for a year, but then there's a few other things. So that's the first of it. What makes it tricky is that if you're in your first year of work, you might be working for an employer that doesn't have any type of extended leave of absence policy. So I worked for one employer that, um, in addition to FMLA, if somebody was sick during their first year and didn't qualify for FMLA, they would have six months or rather six weeks um, of FMLA. Light is what I'll call it, but it's a leave of absence. And so they would have to use it all at one time. So if they got into a car accident, they had a, med- a medical condition, if they were giving um, birth to a child and didn't qualify for FMLA, they could take a leave of absence for that. Okay. That's a generous employer. Mm. Not all employers do that. <laughs> and I have definitely worked for employers that did not have those type of provisions. There's also the thing where, and some people may not be aware of this, but if you work for a company that uh, was a covered employer and you qualified for FMLA, left that employer and came back, you'll still be covered under FMLA.
0: You don't have to redo the 1,000-some hours and all that other stuff.
1: Exactly. If you already had the year and you were eligible otherwise, you just pick up right where you left off.
0: Okay. Yeah. So give me some examples of when people use you know, leave or FMLA, like, is sure. it like in injuries? Uh, can it be for other people in your family? So
1: the law says that you can use FMLA. Um, and I'll talk about it, how it applies specifically to diabetes. Okay. So most people know it for adoption or pregnancy, but in terms of diabetes, it's for the care of an immediate family member. So this includes your spouse, your child, or your parent, but not your in-laws who have a serious health condition. And if you have to take leave for yourself because of your serious health condition and it can be applied in different ways. So the law is kind of vague in the way that it's applied because every company can apply it differently. And what I mean by that is, so it gives you 12 months of eligible leave. That 12 months can be on a rolling calendar year. So let's say today is, um, I'll just say hypothetically, just so I can be able to think of dates. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's say that today is hypothetically April 16th. So your leave day would start today and would end April 15th, 2023. Mm -hmm. That's a rolling calendar year. It moves every day. Some apply it based on the calendar year and some apply it based on the fiscal year. But what I've seen more common than anything else is a rolling calendar year. And the way that I tell people to think about FMLA is kind of like a pizza. You might take a slice that you need for yourself. You might take a slice that you need for your child. And then as time passes, the slices are put back. Or you might need a few hours here, of pepperoni slice, um, to take your child over to their appointment to go get their A1C checked, right? Um, and then... Time passes, and that pepperoni piece is put back. But this particular pool of hours, the 12 weeks that you're eligible to take is for any FMLA-related condition. So you don't get 12 for your parent, you don't get 12 for your spouse, you don't get 12 for your child, and 12 for you. It's 12 weeks for everybody.
0: I see. Okay. So if, yeah. So my I can't, if I use a month up because my wife is sick, I'm down to 11 months. It doesn't matter if the next time somebody gets sick, it's my child.
1: Well, so I say in the 12-month period. So in the 12-month period, you're allowed to take um, 480 hours, so the, the 12 weeks. So if you take a month, right, now you have roughly two months remaining for anything else that comes up during the year.
0: <laughs> is it? Is it um, purposefully confusing, do you think?
1: I think it is. Yeah. Um, I, I've had to create trainings for both employees and managers on how to administer FMLA or understand it for themselves. And yeah, it can it can be really confusing. Um, those that use it on a regular basis definitely know it well, but I, I think it's intentionally confusing um, unnecessarily.
0: Yeah, I, I think that about medical insurance too. I think they don't want you to use it, so they make it hard to use. <laughs> oh, so,
1: yeah, I have I have thoughts about that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, the thing with FMLA, it can be used on a short-term basis, so you might only need it for a week. So, in this case, if you had a parent who had a child who was newly diagnosed with type 1, right, they might need it for the week or two as they're getting adjusted mm-hmm. into this new lifestyle because, I mean, it's exhausting <laughs> when yeah. you have the new diagnosis. And then it can be used intermittently intermittently um, for your doctor appointments here or there let's say that you have an episode where you've got low blood sugar and it leaves you feeling sluggish for a few days you know that's a situation that you might need it um or it might be on a long-term basis just depending on what's happening and so we saw a lot of people needing it you know with covid Mm -hmm. for example although that's a whole nother situation but for long-term people typically use it when um they're having a surgery or exact,
0: or right. something like that. I, So I think this is wonderful that this exists. And yet I have personal perspective where I've seen people just abuse the hell out of this. And they know how to get the right doctor's note and they know how to do things like that. And they end up taking off the summer and saying something like, I'm tired and my something hurts. And you're like, okay. And then they're, there that person goes for two months, three months, like something like that while you're busy at work. And it's – um, I don't know. Like, I know you can't police everything perfectly and make sure only the people who really deserve it are using it. But I don't know. It's – it's uh, it, you know what I mean. It, 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 su- it yeah. sucks to see that happen. Do no, employers I mean, you're know right. when it, that's happening? What was that? Do, do employers generally know when they're being taken advantage of versus when we, it's
1: – We start to see trends. I mean, obviously, if somebody – is always taking FMLA on a Monday and a Friday. That starts to show a pattern, <laughs> um, or after any major holiday or Super Bowl. And then we might see situations where if there's certain things happening at work, and we notice that the FMLA falls frequently during those particular things at work, Oh, oh I see. we might start to ask questions. Um, so there's that. But, yeah, it, it does come down to what the doctor lists on the FMLA paperwork. Right. Um, there, there's a set of federal paperwork that can be given to the employee. They take it to their doctor. Their doctor completes it. And based on what the doctor says on that paperwork, specifies how much leave that employee can expect
0: to take. And then what is leave? Is it paid leave or is it just you can miss work without – us being able to fire you?
1: It depends on the company. So most everywhere it's unpaid leave. Mm -hmm. But if you have vacation time, if you have sick time, if you have a general PTO bank, that company will specify how leave should be used at their company. So uh, one place that I was at, if I remember right, you had to use your sick time first and then you would use any floating holidays And then you would use vacation time.
0: And if that was all gone, then you could dip into family medical leave.
1: So at one place, it was used in combination of, so you could be paid while you're on FMLA. At other places, they would make you use all that before you take FMLA.
0: Which is then unpaid after because you've used up all your other time.
1: Right. Right. Which leads into discussions about short-term disability and long-term disability.
0: Yeah. At what point do you have to... Assess that and say this is not just a a short term thing. I have to protect myself in other ways because long term disability would be covered, right? At like some percentage of your income.
1: It yes, it, it's usually a percentage of the income. It's, it's definitely not one hundred percent. Generally, I see anywhere from sixty to eighty percent, depending on what the policy
0: is. Okay, and, and those policies vary by state or by company or by insurance company that the company uses.
1: They vary by company, and they could even vary per year based on the broker that that company is using.
0: I see. Um, now, just just bare bones like human interaction in the HR department. Somebody's using FMLA over and over and over again, or they're always taking leave. Even if, like, I don't even want to designate whether they actually need it or not. It's just, it's being used a lot. At what point does the company say, listen, I feel bad for you, but I have a job to get done here and it's not getting done?
1: If they're covered under FMLA, they're federally protected.
0: You can't say, oh, I know that, Michelle, but I'm saying, (laughs) I'm saying in the coffee room when you're like, you we got to get Becky the hell out of here. Like, you know, like, like, how does that, I mean, that happens, right?
1: It does happen in, I'm going to say questionable companies. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a, uh, yeah, they call it a constructive discharge where the environment is made so intolerable that the employee feels that they have to leave because uh-huh. it's just a hostile condition. So if
0: you come back, they're from working work, with. if you come back from work, Becky, and now Jim is over here and he's got your job and you're now in charge of emptying the waste paper baskets, they are done with you. That's kind of it. Yeah. Not quite. No? Okay.
1: So you take leave. Mm hmm. Okay, your job's protected, but it doesn't have to be the same job. It does have to be a similar job. So, if you were an account manager, but you come back and they're making you clean out waste baskets, right. Okay, obviously there's going to be some okay. discussion there. Oh, yeah.
0: Um I have to say, yeah. Michelle, at the same pay, maybe I just clean out the waste paper baskets.
1: I mean, if they're going to pay you the same to clean out waste baskets, I <laughs> mean, yeah. it may not be a bad gig.
0: I might agree. I'm just, I'm just saying that there's a human aspect to this, and there's also – I mean, there really is the – there is the the simple truth that there's a job needs to be done. So if you're going to be gone mm-hmm. for six months, okay, you're federally protected, i got to hire somebody else to do this job. And when you come back, I can't afford to pay both of you, so something's got to give. Like, I think it's the difference between – not that you shouldn't use it if you need it. You absolutely should. But I've just seen people – turn what I think what should have been a week and a half into three months and feel like, oh, I'm on vacation now. It's all cool. I have some money saved. I'm going to go back. And I, I just don't think it's reasonable to expect that people stop being people because you're federally protected by FMLA. I don't know why no, I, I mean, care about that. No, but, I mean, yeah. there
1: certainly are going to be people who take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I'm not having to interact with those type of people. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely that human component where – if somebody is given the opportunity to take advantage of a situation, they might milk it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. All right. So, family medical leave, we would use it for anything. My kid got diagnosed, and we're going to, I need to spend two weeks figuring this out, you know, before I go back to work. Um, that's a, a great example of why you might use that for diabetes. Um, getting to adults, though, I want to talk a, a lot actually about the American with Disabilities Act. Um, this is something that is asked in the forums about constantly. It's something I don't know enough about. And, and the way I usually see it brought up in conversation is simple. It's an adult with type one diabetes. Who's going to go to a job interview. And the Mm -hmm. first question they ask somebody is, Hey, do I go into this interview and tell them I have diabetes or do I keep it private?
1: Okay. So the equal opportunity employment commission EEOC, um, is the federal agency charged with the enforcement of these type of things. Mm -hmm. And so they have a page all related to diabetes. I'll send it to you so you have it for the show notes. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. And so what they recommend is don't talk about it until you get the job. And even when you get the job, don't talk about it until you start your job. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's written by somebody who understands people. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yes.
1: And the reason for that is, you know, even if you were in the interview and you brought it up on your own and said, I have type 1 diabetes, at that point, a professional HR recruiter, right, and mm-hmm. or hiring interviewer should not be asking you any other questions aside from, will this require a reasonable accommodation? That's it. Okay. That's all they should be asking. Now, if you're offered the job and you decide to disclose it before you start the job, they may be able to require you to take a medical exam to find out if your condition is in a in a place where it would put them at risk. So, if you're in a in a let's say manufacturing let's say that you're about to take a manufacturing job and it requires you to be on an automated line and you know, you're know you constantly back and forth and back and forth, but you get confused often because you've been having lows for the last three to six months because of uncontrolled um, BGs,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? That could be a risk to the employer.
0: Right. And you, right? but yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that person themselves. But let's say that the person is type one, and they're going for a law enforcement job, and they have very well controlled um, BGs, and have not had any, you know, major episodes in quite some time. Would that pose a risk to the employer? Probably not.
0: <laughs> so, if I'm coming in, because I think the way I hear people ask the question is, "Is this going to stop me from getting this job? Is it going to hurt me, you know, getting the job?" So, the difference between what what you're saying, which is, hey, just don't say anything till you're at work. But once that happens, doesn't doesn't the employer look at you and go, oh, well played, or or do they look at you and go, you son of a bitch? Like like do you know what I mean? Like what happens? It, it's almost like you get married and I don't know.
1: And you're like, boom, guess how much student loan debt I, I have? screw
0: off my wooden leg three months into our marriage. You're like, how did you hide that from me the whole time? Like, you know, like, like something that's going to seem big to the other person. And you you kept it quiet. Like, it, it feels distrustful. And does the employer respond differently? because of that. And so there's no win, right? Cuz if I mention it early, I might not get the job. I might taint myself in the eyes of these people. And if I wait until afterwards, I'm the person that lied to them to get the job. I think is that the is but here's that a the rub? Thing.
1: Your your condition, right? In this case type 1, but it could be anything. It could be migraines, it could be asthma, it could be psoriasis, it could be any condition. Right. They can't hold that against you in the hiring process. It's, It's not a condition of your employment and it should, you know, that condition shouldn't affect your ability to perform well on the job.
0: Michelle, I'm going to tell you a story here. Tell me because I hear what you're saying and I appreciate your professional opinion. But one time when I was 21 years old, I was awoken by some loud knocking on a door. I might have been 20. It was a rap 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 on my door and I was asleep and I sprung up to see what happened and I opened the curtain and there stood my girlfriend who is not my wife right now. Just so you know, this is not a story about Kelly and this girl is in a t-shirt, no bra uh, with a sweatshirt pulled over hair going in six directions and she's pissed. Okay, Michelle. And okay. I open the door and I go, hey, you okay? And she says, and I'm quoting, you cheated on me in my dream. So my point is, <laughs> uh, my point is, is that you can't always count on people to be reasonable in a situation.
1: <laughs> no, sure. And here, and here's the thing. there's, I'm going to say there's two types of HR people. Right. You've got one type that went to school for it studied it, um, has, has learned, you know, all the, the legalities of it, uh, from my employment law course, for example, my professor was, was an employment law attorney, mm-hmm. right? So you've got that group, right? Whether they're studying it at undergraduate or graduate level and seeking certifications. Then you have another group that just falls into it and they're kind of trying to figure out their way. They might know the most recognizable laws but they're definitely having to seek additional resources to figure out oh well what does this really mean
0: yeah.
1: um, and, and I want to say to a certain extent HR is interesting because we're we're required to interpret the law without being lawyers so it makes things really tricky at times
0: mm-hmm. yeah I just I just wonder about how often you can reasonably expect people to Do what they're supposed to do without being impacted by some, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, but I mean, you're going to have some people that yeah. look
1: at a condition and say, oh, well, I don't want this person working on my team. I mean, right. th- this is this is going to affect. And, the,
0: and their response is not going to make sense. It's just going to be like, oh, you have diabetes? Like, Like, how many people, we all know this, right? Don't understand diabetes fundamentally at all. Type one or type two. They definitely don't understand the difference between the two of them most of the time. And so now I'm in this, I'm in this interview and I go, by the way, I have diabetes. And now the person interviewing me is imagining their 79-year-old grandmother who has type two. Or they had a friend in college that passed out all the time. And now suddenly they're looking at me like, oh, this guy's going to pass out all the time. Or you know, he's gonna get dizzy or this is gonna happen. And they can't ask the questions because the ADA stops them from asking the, other than what you just said, right? Well, will this require any accommodations? Right. But but even if you say, look, I'm I'm very well managed, um, you know, blah blah blah, here's how it's gonna go, it's going to be fine. I still think they look at you and think, that's bullshit. You're gonna pass out like my grandma. And you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna have some employers that get hyper cautious about it. Right. Um and and start taking away what's called tangible benefits and so those are promotions transfers um incentives right they they start impacting you negatively at the workplace okay companies get in trouble for this so i've got a couple of examples (laughs) that i pulled actually from the the eeoc um and how companies got in trouble for doing bad things to diabetics basically and so um there was one uh case this Um, And this got resolved, but uh, it was a company that had unlawfully discriminated against two employees after they discovered through a questionnaire that their employees health conditions and medic uh, or rather learned about their um, employees health conditions and medications and uh, learned that they had diabetes and hypertension. So that particular company um, had to pay. $77,000, which is not enough, um, but then also furnish other remedial relief, right, to the people that they fired. Another company um, had laid off a a supervisor who had been with the company for 38 years uh, based on having disabilities, uh, diabetes, and kidney disease. And this person was laid off shortly after telling their employer that they would need dialysis. And then there's another one where uh, the company got in trouble because the employee asked for a different schedule to be able to accommodate being able to stay in range better and even had a doctor's note asking for this. <laughs> and, and the company and, said,
0: let's give you all 24 hours of every day at your house. Per, that, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And that constructive um, discharge, right? So, um, yeah, basically made the work environment so terrible that this – Employee felt that they had no other choice than to leave. Right. It's, so companies do get in trouble for it.
0: Yeah, I know. But and I appreciate that, and that should be. And I agree with you that the number was too small, even. But my point is, is that I just want a job. I don't want to be in a lawsuit. I'm not trying to like change the world. Like you know, what I, mean? I want to go to work. I want to get paid. I like you to like treat me fairly. I want to do something I enjoy. I like to go home. That's pretty much it. And and I'm trying to think about how do we tell people. I, I guess they need to understand this side of it so that they can understand what they're going to make available to people. Like I like I I I just wouldn't want people to believe that it's so cut and dry that it's perfect. You know what I mean? Like don't worry these No it's it's protect- not. Yeah, yeah, I right, mean right. you're going
1: to you're going to have even HR people. You're going to have some HR people that are not doing the right thing.
0: Yeah. Well because they see their problems coming down the pike too. Like if you come in for an interview and you even remind me of a person i had to fire 6 months ago that's going to make me think well i don't want to go through this again with you know they said the same things in their interview or whatever people get biased by by all kinds mm-hmm. of things that they see and yep. don't see you know um I, and i also don't like the idea of being dishonest coming through the door but i mean do you are you like you can't know right it's like a blind date how do you know how the person's going to react when you say to them look, I have an insulin pump on and I might have to, we, we just went through this with Arden going to college. They wanted her to have a disability meeting. So we we're like, all right. So we get on the, you know, on the call with a person and it's very strange for the first couple of minutes. And then we stopped, stopped the person. You know, it's, it's on Zoom. Everything's on Zoom. And, um, mm-hmm. and we said, listen, we want to be clear. We don't want anything. We have no real ideas that Arden's going to need anything. We just need you to understand what this is in case something happens. I said, because something is going to happen at some point. And when that does, we don't want her to be, you know, um, I don't know, given a given an absence because her insulin pump fell off while she was on her way to class. She had to turn around and go back and get another one or something like that. We, We just want you to understand that. But it's our expectation that she's never going to use any of the accommodations that we say might be necessary and the conversation got more real after that, and it became obvious that the person who came to the meeting came to the meeting expecting to be met with, "Let me see what I can wring out of you." Do you know what I mean? Like how many yeah. ways I can take advantage? Like they. Their expectation was that we were going to try to take advantage of Arden's diabetes and get Arden, I don't know, a puppy or something like that, you you know, um, a a pony that she could ride to class. And we were like, look, we don't want anything like we just is it cool if we put an insulin refrigerator in her in her dorm room? Like, it's just a little one, you know, like, that's what we cared about. Like, could you, you know, one of her classes is way across town. Do you think you could find out if there's a refrigerator over there that we could keep a vial of insulin in so she doesn't have to hump? insulin around with her everywhere she goes because Arden's college is spread out over a town. And, um, and she was like, oh, that's all you want. I'm like, yeah. She goes, yeah, that's no problem. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, So at the end of the call, I'm like, what were you expecting? And she said, oh, you have no idea what people come on these calls asking for. And I was like, oh, and she goes in half the time. I, I don't think they really need them. And I was like, oh, okay. That, to me, seemed like the real kind of backroom dealing of that scenario. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's why you see adults. You know what one of the biggest – if you want to start an argument online about diabetes, you know what you can do, Michelle? Go Mm -hmm. online right now and ask for accommodations at Disney. Yes. Oh, my
1: gosh. Right, Michelle? I know. the DAS pass.
0: We call it the pancreas pass here. But – um. You ask that question online. Hey, guys, uh, I'm worried about my kid being in the heat. This is our first time going to Disney with diabetes, blah, blah, blah. Is there a past that blah, blah, blah. Here's what will happen next. Parents will come in and say, oh, I didn't know that was uh, something. And Other parents will come in and say, oh, we've done that. Here's how you get it. And then adults with diabetes will come in and be like, you are not disabled. Stop it. Don't do this. Stand in line. You can blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I always wonder, like, where does that come from? And I used to think it was. Just that they didn't, that these adults who, by the way, not every adult with diabetes says this, but there's enough of them that I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over again. I always thought, oh, they just don't want to be considered disabled. Like it's a, it's kind of like, you know, a headspace idea. But now I'm wondering. I
1: I think you're right on that because, I mean, that's, that's the other argument that you could start really quickly by saying diabetes or type one diabetes is a disability. And some people are going to say flat out, no it has not disabled me in any way, form, matter whatsoever. Right.
0: Yeah. There's such a difference between the legal distinction between disability and what you might personally believe is a disability. And that I know people get confused, not confused, but some people are coming from one perspective and some people are coming from another perspective when they're online. But it's funny that while you've been talking about this, I started thinking about those adults thinking, oh, this isn't about them all the time. Just, I don't want to be disabled. It's, maybe it's because they've been through the hiring process. Maybe it's because in their heart, they're like, don't tell people you're disabled. And and I don't know. I think there's so many different perspectives around that argument. I just know that if you want to start an argument, just say that out loud. It gets
1: people
0: very riled up. Um, and so I don't know that there's an answer, right? Because you're not going to know who you're talking to.
1: No. I mean, here's the thing. Who's to say that you don't hire somebody and three months down the line, they go skiing and have a traumatic accident, which prevents them from working for the next three months. Sure.
0: Right. I
1: mean, you you never know. You never know. I
0: would never ski, Michelle.
1: Um, I've not tried it.
0: I'm not ending my life crashing (laughs) into a tree with my face. That's all I know about. That's what I imagine skiing is, and I will not do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's not what it is, but it's too late that the skiing and sharks that's not how I'm going out, Michelle. Uh, no, but sure. yeah, but I take your point. Like you could hire a perfectly healthy person. who Doesn't have one problem in the entire world. And they could, you know, snap their legs stepping off a step. And now they're looking for FMLA or they need a, dis- or they need a, you know, some sort of an accommodation. Um, so do you think, so what would you do? You're going to have Ben one day and you're going to send Ben off to a, a, a job interview, what are you going to tell him to do? How are you going to ask him to handle it?
1: I mean, I would give him my professional recommendation, which, which would be, you don't have to disclose anything until your first day.
0: Okay. That's your, that's your, see, I, that's what I thought you were going to say.
1: Yeah. that That's yeah. going to be my recommendation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, in the meantime though, I would recommend that somebody do their homework. Um, so here's, you know, I think most people that listen to your podcast know that the American Diabetes Association has a page that's dedicated to reasonable accommodations. Um, Another resource that they can use is called Ask Jan. And Jan stands for the Job Accommodation Network. Mm -hmm. So you could look up accommodations that have been recommended for diabetes or any other condition under the sun.
0: Okay. And, And these will answer a lot of your wonderments about how things work. About how the process works and the laws work. Will, will that make me feel good about that? Or is it more of a how-to?
1: It's more of a how-to.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Less of an FAQ, more of a do these things and this will go in your direction. Okay. Oh, that's mm-hmm. that's terrific. Yeah. You,
1: or if, if you're thinking about asking this, here's here's how it's been applied in XYZ organization or um, how others have been
0: advised to ask for it. Interesting. Very yeah. Yeah. In your note to me, you said that you could also discuss employee resource groups and employee yep. assistance programs. I wondered what those were.
1: Okay. So um, I happen to work for an employer that is considered a best place to work for disability inclusion. Is that and something that gets voted the, on
0: like the Emmys? How, do you, how did you get that? <laughs> how does that work?
1: Sure. So um, if you think about like, the Chamber of Commerce type organization, right? It's it's a nonprofit that's um, that's similar to that, except that they focus strictly on disabilities. It's called Disability In. And every year they um, have companies voluntarily go through the Disability Equity Index Report. And so they're rated on a number of things. It could be, you know, how they support teammates, how they support um, disability organizations that their teammates might refer to, Um if there's advocacy within the organization, just a number of different points. And so um, in 2022, uh, 415 companies participated. The organization I work for is one of them. And um, we scored a 90 out of hundred. So next year we're hoping for a hundred. Wow. Uh, and so some of the themes that they looked for and they kind of gathered as a result of this, Report is that accommodations um, are still a foundational practice. Inclusion um, is an emerging trend. And the sense of belonging is imperative for success at companies. Mm-hmm. So and these these are considered disability-friendly companies. And so um, the other thing is that organizations that our certified disability workplaces, might be eligible for certain federal grants or contracts. So they might be able to do work that other companies don't get to do.
0: Oh, I yeah. see. So when you're nice to people who have a disability, uh, it's You get to do
1: more things. You get
0: to make some more money. I see what you're saying. Do, yeah. Are there companies who are being nice to people with disabilities just to get contracts for things? Probably. Oh, Michelle. I always see the bad part of people. It's okay. Uh <laughs> By the way, funniest thing that's happened in the last hour is you—you you said EEOC. What does that stand for?
1: Equal Employment Opportunity Commission.
0: And all I heard was those turtles in Finding Nemo saying that they were riding the EOC. Is not that what it was called?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to answer that with whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
0: I was even proud of myself for not bringing it up while you were talking. <laughs> I don't know what that says, but um, yeah, a couple of times I'm like, "Please stop using that acronym. You're breaking my brain." Um. <laughs> I'm surprised
1: I I haven't gone there yet because I I am pretty random at times. So okay, good. Back on track. Yep, go ahead. sorry. <laughs> okay, no, it's okay because I, I guess I don't want to forget this. Um, so okay, in addition to disability in, and you can look at the the different companies that are disability friendly, and there's even a a, a disability recruitment uh, virtual job fair, um, during the year too. So things you could take a look at, Um, a company might also have a employee resource group. And so again, the organization I work for, we have one and we, we have them focused on different things. There's, you know, one for women, there's one for Hispanics, um, one for veterans. Um, and I'm on the advisory committee for our disability, um, group. And so what we do is we support Our teammates and their loved ones who have disabilities through educational webinars, allowing them to write blogs, uh, spotlighting them on social media, and supporting each other through our discussion boards.
0: Mm, That's interesting. And, And is this something that, if my company doesn't have this, how would I start something like this? How would I, you know, is that something you can spearhead with? With the company, could you walk into HR and say, hey, I really wish we had an employee assistance program and here's why. And there's seven of us here who have diabetes, so I think it would be great. And there's a girl over there who has something going on and there's I think there's enough of us that this would be helpful. Do you think they'd be open to hearing about that?
1: I'm going to go with, it depends on the company. So um, I know some organizations that they're just kind of starting to look at that. And so they might start with one group um, versus doing a ton of them, right? And mm-hmm. so usually what's happening behind the scenes is either in HR or somewhere in leadership, they have located a DEI champion okay. <laughs> to be able to move those type of things forward. So if it's coming from the employee, yes, that does mean a lot. But it also means that you have to have somebody at the top or somebody in HR who's willing to say, this is important.
0: Do you think when, I guess maybe when that happens at places, maybe people know someone personally and it, it brings it top of mind to them, and as a thing that would be valuable to do. Is there a ref- a resource online? Like if I was going to go into HR and say, look, no pressure, but I wish you guys would check into this. Can I take them a link to something?
1: I would start with the disability in Ingr- um, website.
0: Okay. What mm-hmm. is, do you know what that is off the top of your head again?
1: Uh, disabilityin.org.
0: Dis-a-bil- I see what you're doing to me. Mm-hmm. Trying to- is it I-N? I-N. Dot O-R-G. Hey, I spelled disability right. So proud of myself. It's Monday. Um, disabilityin.org. We empower businesses to achieve disability inclusion and equality. Are you in? Oh, I see the pun. Okay. So, um, so maybe I would just like drop this on somebody and be like, could you check into this? I, it would be great if blah, blah, blah.
1: Right. If we yeah. could do this to support the employees.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because expecting someone to do it just on their own is random. You know what I mean? Like, people are busy at work. I don't think there's anybody right now in an HR office who's head down doing their work and in the back of their mind thinking, I really do want to get that disability in thing going here. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if somebody doesn't spearhead something or bring it to light, it's hard to expect it to get started. It's funny, too, how much this conversation mimics the conversations about going to school as a child with diabetes. You know what I mean? Like, like, Heading into school, expecting people to understand there's things they legally have to do for you, but right. but at the same time, some people may be great at it and some people may not be. Meaning, some people may be supportive and some people may be less so. Some people may see it as a an annoyance while other people are happy to accommodate. Um, it really is. I, I don't I don't see it as being much different. To be perfect, to no. Be
1: honest. I mean, the reasonable accommodation process is a lot like the five hundred four and IEP meetings.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was. This is how I was thinking about it while you've been talking. Is there anything I haven't asked you or that you haven't gotten to that you think is important?
1: Um, let me let me talk um insurance benefits for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, people like getting paid. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody's whether it's the parent or the individual with type one you definitely want to consider the entire compensation package. You might hear this as total reward sometimes. And so some people might think, oh, I'm going to get paid Buku's of dollars, so it doesn't matter what my insurance is. Well, if you're getting paid like Buku's, but your insurance plan is a high deductible plan, and you're going to have to pay out of pocket for all your Dexcoms and all your Omnipods and all your insulin and everything um, until you meet that deductible. Well, how much in compensation are you really getting? Because... Your money is obviously going over there. Yeah. So, so just because you get paid, just because you're going to take a job that pays you a lot of money, but has a terrible, <laughs> high deductible plan, may not be great, mm-hmm. especially if you have type one, right? Because, of, uh, because of what you're having to spend. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying take, take the high paying job, right? It's, it's all a balance. Um, what I am saying is do your homework. So if you're going up for a job or you're considering changing jobs, and you're in the interview process, ask. Um, ask the recruiter for a copy of the medical insurance information. Once you get into, once you get into that role where um, they're starting to seriously right. consider you for, you know, for a job. I mean, this is not every job, right? If you're going for a job, with, if you're going for a job at the movie theaters, this is overkill. Yeah, right? Michelle's
0: trying to stop you from in the first. Um, what do they tell you in your first interview? Your your question is not how much does this pay. <laughs> You're, you know, you want to you want to get past that part and get exactly to yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this medical question would come up along the question of like okay what does this job pay? Um, Ask for the um, the summary of benefits plan. Um, this is a list that tells you like what all the copays are for in-network, out-of-network, what's covered, what's not covered, and just kind of like a cute little summarized plan. Right. And so you definitely want to take a look at that. So so know what your deductible is going to be. Right. And then um, I remember uh, I had posed some questions out actually on your um, Facebook group, on Reddit and a couple of places. And so one of the questions that came up is, can I continue to cover my child who's in college after they turn 26? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, because that's a provision of the Affordable Care Act, that children can be covered to 26. And once they're 27, they've got to be able to cover their own.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that comes up a lot. And by the way, my son just graduated from college, so it's in my head too, is that I have four more years where I can cover his health insurance. But, but your point, I just want to go over it real quickly, is, you're going for a job that pays seventy thousand dollars a year that mm-hmm. congratulations um and it's got a great insurance plan that's gonna end up costing you five thousand dollars out of pocket for your whole family so you're making sixty five thousand dollars you you know you're making five thousand dollars less but you get that same job and somebody's like oh don't worry like this take us because we get we pay 80 we're gonna you're gonna but then you learn that they have no insurance and you're out of pocket now you're 15 20 grand a year for your your medical stuff you're better off taking the other job lower paying with the insurance yeah yeah right yeah and and I guess people don't think about that readily maybe people <laughs> with diabetes do but
1: I mean I, I've seen situations where and and this is back in my recruiting days where people would jump ship for a dollar or even 50 cents and not consider what that meant for insurance
0: I don't understand people's brains who work like that I wish <laughs> I wish I could have the same job my whole life
1: well, you've kind of done that for yourself. I mean, yeah, I've had two, good. I've
0: had two jobs basically. I've, <laughs> I've been somebody's parent, and I've made this podcast. Um, the other jobs before that, I don't remember anymore, so I tend not to think about them as much. Um, wow. Okay. Thank you. So what? Go, no, no I you're don't, I don't want to. I, I, we're not done, but I I, <laughs> I really appreciate this because I, I I don't hear anybody talking about this. To be perfectly honest, you know.
1: No, sure, and 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 I, and I see these questions every once in a while. Um, I mean, they're not always top of mind, and. They're not the fun things to talk about or they're not the annoying things to talk about. They're just the things to talk about.
0: I'm the and one so, I'm the one in my house, Michelle, when when Kelly's like, it's time to go over our insurance coverage again this year. And I'm like, Oh, I feel like a child. I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> just pick what we had last time. Why do we have to think about this? And no, it's it's not
1: I mean, this is as fun as trying to shop for home insurance or mm-hmm. car insurance. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, for a type one, I mean, this is everything. It's
0: super important. It just really yeah. is.
1: So another thing that comes up, Thank you. Um, I'm,
0: I'm at a loss for a moment. So please just keep talking.
1: Okay. So another thing that I see that comes up is um, life insurance and how people get denied for life insurance. And so one thing that they might want to find out if they do plan to leave another job is to find out if the life insurance that they have with their current employer is portable. And what that means is if they leave the organization, um, as long as they pay for the entire premium, the amount that they paid and the amount that the company paid for them, they can continue to have the the life insurance because what happens when a type one applies for life insurance? Yeah. they're getting denied,
0: yeah. so that happens even if you if can that happen to me if I take a job and the job's like, oh, it comes with life insurance, but not for you, Arden. so
1: so typically what happens is, you can get a set amount of life insurance without having to go through a medical examination. Right. Right. And and you can max that out. But if you want more than that, then you would have to go through the medical exam. And at that point, you could you could get denied because of a type one
0: yeah. diagnosis. And if you're not denied, there could be a larger premium for a lesser payout.
1: Um, if you're not denied, yeah, it'll be it would be a larger premium.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I have to admit that's one of those things like we've always been lucky that my wife's jobs offered some life insurance and we talk about like should we get more and then it's like term and then there's other kinds and we're like we don't know what we're talking about and then before you know it you're just like I'm not doing this because I don't know what it is I don't want to get ripped off you know what I mean Um, but I would like to understand it better but it's just I don't know companies then put you on a web portal where you click through a couple things and a talking turtles explaining diabetes to you or, or or life insurance to you and you're just like mm-hmm. I don't this I don't know what this means and then yeah, then I'm out. Um, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and the, and the gist of it with life insurance is this. Like is the amount that that you can that you make, right, if something were to happen to you today and you don't exist but you have dependents that are, are um that are living off your income, right? Because they're children or it's your spouse who doesn't work. You know, do you have a way of being able to replace your income for the next, you know, set amount of years, next set amount of time should, for whatever reason you leave this planet. Yeah. That's
0: how we, we have enough. I hate, I hate that we have this even, but we have enough on the kids that if they were to pass away, we could um, take care of their funeral arrangements and things like that without it you know, digging into money that we have. Um, And I'm covered lesser than my wife is because my wife, you know, makes more money than I do. And I think if I died, she'd be like, "Ah, well, that's inconvenient because I have to wash the dishes now, but I can still pay the bills. And um, whereas if she died, I'd be like, "Uh, I need to do some sit-ups. And I'll cute the kids up because I need some lady to come in here and make some more money. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you see situations like that. I've, I've even seen it where, um, let's say that you have you know one spouse who is you know the breadwinner for the family, and the other spouse is at home and they have five kids. Well, if that stay at home spouse passes away, and those kids are school age, like somebody's still having to take care of them during the day. Yeah. yeah. So and and that you know that that takes resources. That takes income um and even though that family wasn't paying anybody for childcare, right there was there's still a value to the work that was done at the home
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you don't have to count on the guy in high school that liked you that you didn't like that much but he's still single so yeah (laughs) yeah hi uh do you remember me from from college yeah uh, you don't want to have to depend on the hey remember
1: when we were 20 we said we would marry if
0: (laughs) well my husband just got hit by a tractor trailer and i need you (laughs) To uh be interested in me again, or vice versa. Like I my wife would be at a loss. She doesn't know when the garbage goes out. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure she kind of does, but she wouldn't remember. Uh, you know, there's just some things people do, and and you know, when it's financial, you need coverage because it just goes away. It's not like you're, you know, if you don't have that life insurance, your company's not going to keep sending a check. So, um, so fight through the pain of how annoying an adult it is to have to learn about life insurance is that what you're telling me i'm supposed to do michelle Just-
1: that that's exactly what i'm saying it's All not right. pretty it's a little ugly but it's important
0: i'm getting old probably should do it right? <laughs> you know i mean how much longer can i make it michelle it can't be much
1: um i i don't know i mean you, you could take out an insurance policy on your voice so that way if for some reason anything ever happened to your throat
0: and you couldn't do the podcast anymore could i like- really is that a true thing are you making that up michelle trying to be funny you're no, t- no. I mean, oh. some
1: there there are some people that because of whatever work they do, they they insure certain things. I mean, years ago, J Lo insured her booty.
0: <laughs> Did she? I think Ben Affleck just bought that <laughs> policy out. Um it's oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna do that then. <laughs> I'm gonna get yeah. right on. I'm not gonna get life insurance, but I'm gonna get insurance on my voice. <laughs> That would be ridiculous. Uh, that's amazing. I, I appreciate you doing this. Did I miss anything? Did you miss anything? Are we good?
1: Um, oh, one other thing to look into as you're looking into the uh, the employee benefits mm-hmm. is also check out the short-term and long-term disability plans for your company. Some companies pay for those for the employees. And short-term disability um, is considered where a condition might last like seven days to 30 days, whereas the long term is going to be anything from 30 days, maybe up to two years. And so um, there's always an elimination period. It's, it's weird that they call it an elimination period. But they may not start the disability payments until seven days later or 14 days later, right? I see. Yeah.
0: yeah, I see. I'm so cynical that every time you say something like this, I put myself in the HR pers- person's position and I think I'm interviewing you and you say, "Hey, tell me, uh, when does your long-term and short-term disability kick in?" And in my mind, I'm just putting an X on the paper. I'm like, "Nope, not you." I, mean, I don't know why. I'm just, I am I? Is this like an East Coast cynicism thing, Michelle? Like, do you not it, think that way?
1: It could be. Um, I try to be optimistic, but I try to also be an optimistic realist mm-hmm. about things too. I mean, I. I mean, I've seen some questionable things, you know, when I've interviewed people. Um,
0: To me, it's like, it's like, I don't know, it's like if I'm in an interview and I'm like, hey, I have a question about the company. Sure. Uh, What closet can I shoot heroin in? Like, 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 I'd be, oh, I'm sorry. You're a no. Like, like, right? Like that kind of thing. Like, tell me, uh, how long does it take for the short-term disability to kick in? Makes me feel like you're planning on taking short-term disability. But I know that, but I know that for a person who has... A real issue, it's just fact-finding. But how do you relay that to the person you're speaking to without so, saying, I know this sounds janky that I'm asking about this?
1: No, I mean, sure. I mean, you know, the whole idea about this is the, <laughs> these should be normal questions anybody should be asking. So that way it doesn't feel like you're the oddball asking this particular type of question. Um, it. it it also depends on the type of organization too, and um, I, I've certainly been a part of you know job interviews in the past where I never even had to ask for this information because they just said, "Here's the benefits book, and if you have any questions, let us know," and they gave me everything.
0: Excellent, and then then you don't have to ask the questions, but you can get the answers.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: That. Oh, yeah. See, see Michelle. That, that I can't believe I'm saying it like this because I don't mean it like this. That's a really valuable piece of information. Not to say that other things you said haven't, but instead of sitting there and, and asking all these questions, it's going to lead somebody to think, I think this person's like not going to work. You you know, like, is there a place where I can get all of my questions answered in a booklet or online? I don't want to bother you with it right now. And that way you can dig into it without looking like you're pre-planning a vacation.
1: No, sure. I mean, yeah. and some other things that somebody um, can do to kind of do some, some fact finding and digging about the company is they could go to Glassdoor and they could look at the reviews and see what other people have posted about their interview experience. Uh, Indeed also has some reviews that people could look at as well. There's another, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is right now. I think it's blind.com uh, where you can go in and um, anonymously post about your (laughs) company experience and and again just do some fact finding yeah to find out like okay i I know what they're offering me i know this is the job title they said but is it legitimate like are they gonna pull a you know (laughs) they're gonna pull a rug under me
0: right right yeah yeah it, it pays a lot of money but we also don't let you leave you're going to work 18 hours a day, you know, and you, we, we don't make you, but you're going to see someone else do it and that person's going to get compensated and you're going to start thinking, well, I got to stay longer. And like those things that kind of pressure you into, it's bait and switch. That's yeah. what it is, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. And if you can find a, a reliable place where you see, you know, 50% of the people are like, look, don't go there because this is what's going to happen, then you can kind of trust that that's what's going to happen.
1: No, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you know it, it was blind and another one's fishbowl that they can check.
0: Fishbowl? Mhm. And and glass and what's the other? Uh, indeed. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: And, blind, and blind.com.
0: Blind. It's an app. Oh, that's excellent. That's all good information. I really appreciate yeah. it. Do you like your um the work you do?
1: I do like the work I do. I'm like I said, I'm less I'm less in HR these days. I'm doing more creative things where I get to build um e-learning trainings and Animated videos and help people generally just get better at what they do. It's a more creative side of it.
0: Yeah. Firing people, very difficult.
1: Uh, Yes. And I am glad that I was not having to do employee relations during the pandemic.
0: Oh, yeah. On top of everything else. You're firing me during COVID? You son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like, that would be terrible. I just. But here's your
1: vaccination. (laughs) But
0: don't worry. Also, we got you this lovely bouquet of oranges and apples to take with you. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't crash into our cars as you leave. Um, it's, uh, I just can't imagine having to take so much job from them. It seems, I mean, even if they deserve it, it seems something I don't want my soul connected to, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was even hard as a recruiter to tell people, like, you didn't get the job. Because some people overshare, right? And so I knew what this job meant for them. But if they weren't the most qualified candidate, they weren't the most qualified candidate.
0: Does the oversharing ever get them out of getting the job?
1: Um I I, I think you can tell. I try to stay like even if I hear something, you're, I still try very you're much. You're very to stay. down the
0: middle. Yeah. You really are, Michelle. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and and you know, in in my world, I try to find that good balance between, you know, I I, I need to apply all of the organization's policies and procedures, but yet also make sure that um That the employee is having a good experience where they're at too. So I I try really hard to kind of be in the middle, but I mean, there's a lot of people on both sides and, um, and I've seen it get really ugly at times too. Wow.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I, um, I, I didn't know where else to get this information (laughs) from, so it's amazing that you had it.
1: You're welcome. I'm glad I could help.
0: Oh, no, you really have. Um, hold on one second. I'm going to talk to you when we're done. Sure. Hey, how about a huge thanks for Michelle for sharing all that knowledge with us. And while we're thanking people, let's thank Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitoring systems. Learn more. Get started today. Use my link, Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Are you looking for community around your diabetes? Check out Juicebox podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. A wonderful, seriously wonderful community with nearly 40,000 people in it. Type 1, type 2, lot of gestational. Doesn't matter what kind of diabetes you have. Doesn't matter how you eat. You're welcome in my group, Juicebox Podcast. Type 1 diabetes. Absolutely free on Facebook. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with someone else who might also enjoy it. And of course, subscribe or follow in a podcast or audio app. It's a big help. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Amazon Music, stuff like that. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.